Welcome to Money Conversations with KJ. KJ is a lifelong entrepreneur who's made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, and found his way back again. If you're looking for a sterile how-to, you're in the wrong place. KJ and his guests will walk you through real-life situations told by the people who live them, and they are as messy as they are inspiring. Each episode will offer lessons learned, advice on how to replicate successes and avoid pitfalls, and a new perspective to power your financial literacy. Far from a one-size-fits-all, this podcast can help you build a roadmap to your personal promised land. Milk and honey for some, whiskey and steak for others, and remind you that you're not alone on this journey. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Money Conversations with KJ. I'm your host KJ. Today I've got uh, a guest back in the uh, in the studio who's been here before, Mr. Lonnie Weissman. How you doing, Lonnie? Welcome back. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Lonnie is an asset protection specialist. And so today what we want to do is give some good value and feedback to what that means because I'm getting a lot of questions asking to me like you know what's this asset protection why is this so important why when and why do i need to do it right and you and i both know it's an essential piece of the puzzle financially right that's right i mean the the basic overview i tell people is listen if you're going to work real hard create assets you to have cash own nice cars have a house and maybe a couple of houses or whatever man do you need a living trust Yes. Like really bad. And, but you and I were just talking that you don't need to wait until you have all of those things to do this, right? That's right. Yeah. They they can be accumulated over a a period of time, but having that trust in place um, in the beginning, so that way you can just continue to add to that trust over time is definitely the best plan of action. Exactly. Exactly. So for you guys that are out there and this doesn't, age has nothing to do with this. Maybe you're a late bloomer financially and you're in your forties or something before you actually start accumulating some type of assets and and assets are going to be like cold cash that you've got parked on the bank, you know, five, 10, 20, hundred thousand, whatever it may be. Um, you, and in today's world, a nice car is worth money, right? You can yes. have a 60, 80, hundred thousand plus dollar car. That's a, a really nice asset. And then obviously, uh, you're living your home that you live in and maybe you get a, a vacation home or whatever. Um, these are all assets guys that by not having a living trust, when you pass suddenly, your whole estate goes into probate. Yeah. Probate is definitely a term that you want to avoid. Yes. Understand. Let's go ahead and explain to the folks probate. I know everybody's heard the term probate. I don't think everybody a hundred percent understands probate. Go ahead and and break it down for them. Yeah, Kevin, that's a a great topic that you want to start this off with because uh, most people don't have an understanding of probate and and the reason they don't have an understanding of probate because it happens to be a topic that most people just generally don't want to cover and talk about. And that is basically when we are no longer walking this planet and we're not here any longer. And what happens is that most people out there, they pass away without having any type of plan, estate planning or anything in place um, that lets People know on how they want their assets going down to their individuals, assets such as their home, cars, jewelry, bank accounts, retirement accounts, things of that nature. And so what happens is probate will happen because the courts will come in and they will lock up the estate basically to where nobody 
can get any of the assets and they will start determining who gets what, where, when, and why. So let's let's start right there because you know I hear stories. People go, "Oh man, my grandfather just passed, and he man, he was worth like he had a lot of money and a nice house." And they're thinking in their minds, "I'm going to get some money." That's what they're thinking, right? Yes. And they don't know that. Hey, you know what? Your grandfather did awesome. He was a great person. He did not have a living trust. Right. Right. Grandpa could have passed all of that. Net worth down but to what, his loved ones. Right. But what happens is, so you're expecting something, right? Grandpa left me money, left me his house, left whatever. And then you're notified, wait a minute. Yes, your grandfather passed, but he didn't have a living trust. You are now officially in what's called probate. And these people go, probate? Well, I heard of it, but what is that, right? And that's why I want to break it down for the folks today that probate is now when you thought you were going to be getting something in the next few weeks, Right. Yes. Cash, uh, house, car, whatever. Not going to happen. That's right. It's not going to happen because probate can be very lengthy um, in a lot of cases. And what happens is the probate court will get involved and then you'll end up starting to accumulate a lot of costs, such as you'll have court costs, attorney fees and administrative expenses. And all of those various items right there can start adding up quite rapidly. And, and, and let me ask you this. So on top of that, let's just say, you know, grandfather, you know, whoever here. Um, yeah, he had a lot of assets, but then he had some liabilities. Right. We have to understand that. I'm just going to use round numbers. Let's say grandpa's assets were a half a million bucks. His but he had some liabilities. He had one hundred and fifty thousand in liabilities. He still owed money. Yes. Right. And so what's going to happen out there is, OK, he had 500,000 assets, 150,000 liabilities. So his net worth is 350. So what the court's going to do is go ahead and do all that accounting for you. They're going to pay because the people are going to come after. They want their money. Right. Yes. Whoever he had loans with, whether car, house, whatever. They're like, hey, I, I need to get paid. That's right. And so a.k.a. lien holders, they're going to get paid first. Right. They're first in line. Right. And unfortunately, last in line or when probate is finished is the family. That's correct. So in the case of this example, grandpa had five hundred thousand uh, assets, one hundred fifty thousand dollar liabilities, leaves them three fifty. By the time you pay all the other expenses and fees, attorney fees and everything else, we know that that can add up to as much as 40, possibly 50% of what's left. It could. I mean, I've, I've seen cases where that has happened. Right. So now half of 350, 175. So here's a family thinking, I'm going to get a few hundred thousand. Grandpa did awesome. And then, hey, at the end, you're the last to get paid and they break it all down for you. Yeah. He, his assets were 500. Here's his liabilities, 150. And they start breaking down all these fees and assessments and whatnot. Right. Yeah. And then, then boom, boom, here's the last bottom number. And the family stands there shaking their head like, how could this be? And they feel like they got ripped off. Yeah, that's correct. And then another thing that goes along with exactly what you're saying is not only the on the surface fees and expenses that grandpa has to pay. Um, or the uncle has to pay, what ends up happening here is that since it is going into probate, that is now public information and public knowledge. So now all of a sudden, his estate can end up being challenged by anybody and everybody out there. So you could have somebody coming right out of the woodworks claiming that they're a lost long cousin and that he ended up promising him 
whatever asset it was, whether it's a bank account, the collector's car or whatever it is that that amounts to a good chunk of change. Right. And now all of a sudden you've got a challenge to this probate case here, which is not only going to end up making it stretch out for a longer period of time, but it's also going to increase the cost because now you know what so, happens whenever cases get drawn out. Right, right. So I just want, let's again, I like to break things down very simple here. So understand it's tragic whenever we lose anybody and it doesn't have to be grandpa, right? I mean, grandpa may have lived a full life and this is what happened. But the whole purpose of uh, opening these, creating these, these trusts, right, is to protect the family. It doesn't, if you're the person with all the assets, it's, it's, it's a little bit similar to life insurance as far as they parallel in the fact that it's not for you. Right. You're never going to see any benefit of this. This is 100% for your family, your heirs. That is correct. And, okay. and, you, and you just now making the analogy of life insurance right there, that is a great comparison right there because most people generally do not hesitate to go get life insurance for themselves to make sure that the rest of their family is taken care of should the inevitable happen too soon, soon too soon, or even at a right period of time, right. if, if you ever want to call that. But the, the setting up a living trust is basically the same type of a component to where you're setting it up to ensure that your family members are taken care of by the assets that you have accumulated throughout your lifetime. So let's tell the folks about, okay, unlike life insurance, which is a monthly bill, all right? Now, depending if your term a whole life term, you're going to do it for a certain amount of time, 15, 20, 30 years versus whole life. You're going to pay until you die. Right now, a living trust, though, is a one time fee. That's right. Yeah, You pay for the living trust one time. Um, there's no renewal that you have to do on it every year to keep it up and running like you would a business entity or like you just made mention of, there's no monthly premium like you would an insurance policy. Um, the only thing that you would ever have to pay for again over a period of time would be what is known as an amendment. Should something, a major change in your life take place, such as you have a new family member added, you know, a new child born or more um, assets and more assets. Yeah. So yeah. Janet, what can they, what's this is average across the board. Cause there's going to be people listening here from all over. What do you think would be an average of like, okay, Hey, Mr. Jones opened up his living trust five years ago and Hey, he started, you know, doing some investing and he's like, Oh man, my wealth has really grown. I bought a larger house worth a lot more money. I got to go in there and do these amendments. Right. Yeah. What can he expect a fee to that to be? Yeah. He's looking at probably like a, 150 a couple hundred bucks yeah and, and once again like we made mention just a few minutes ago that's a one time one fee. time so he's going to pay for that one amendment and he's done so and let's let's look at it this way guys if you're out there let's say listen you you're young you're let's say you're in your 20s and you're doing really well because you got yourself educated got yourself a good career going you're making money you're bought a home car have cash you're like i've got to get me a living trust and i'm 28 years old or whatever it's real likely that between, say, 28 and 65 or 70, you're going to keep accumulating assets slash cash that you might end up going and doing these amendments every couple, two, maybe three years. Right. And But I don't want anybody to be scared like, oh, man, I got to go do that again. It's going to cost me all this money and blah, blah, blah. No, it's not a lot of money here. Depending where you're at, guys, and always check with whoever you're going to open these accounts with. And, and Lonnie's a, a great person to do that. And you could do it anywhere U.S. Um, that you're talking 150, 200 bucks. 
to protect yourself because talk to the folks. Uh, let's say someone goes, let's do a scenario here. I want people to really understand this. Let's say you've got 28 year old John Doe and he's got 200,000 in assets, house, car, cash. Let's say at 35, he's worth another 250. He doesn't do any amendments yet. Now he's 45 and unfortunately he passes. The original estate was set up with the 200,000, not his true um, worth at that 500,000. What happens in court now? Yeah, now all of a sudden you have half of his estate that's going to go through probate. Ah, so it can be split. Yes, because what happened is that, once again, what you ended up making mention of is don't be afraid to pay that very small nominal amendment charge, which most attorneys out there that that do work of this nature, they charge a lot more than that because you usually end up paying per page, per amendment, and per hour um, with most law firms out there. And so, therefore, a very nominal charge that you would end up incurring by doing this would save you an exorbitant, or rather not save you, but it would end up saving your family members an exorbitant amount of costs um, on the passing down of those assets to avoid that probate. So I think the lesson here is this, guys. You're, you're going to have to put a number on this, right? You're going to have to tell yourself, hey, for every, I'm just going to use an example. For every $50,000 more in assets that I accumulate, I'm going to go do an amendment. Now, again, that's just a number. You may say I'll do it for every 100. You may say I'll do it for every 125. You may say you'll do it for every 25,000. It's totally up to you, right? But remember, whatever that number is that you've amended to, and then you haven't between the next one, and unfortunately something happens and you pass, the difference there goes into probate. That's correct. And key, and keep in mind here, too, that for, for all you folks out there is that if you happen to have a specific type of an asset like a brokerage account or something of that nature to where those assets continue to keep on growing. Right. You don't need to continue to keep getting an amendment to your living trust as those assets grow because you already have the brokerage account itself in the trust. Okay. So, so just because you're you're gaining wealth does not mean you end up having to amend your living trust just because you're gaining wealth. It's just new assets. Yeah. An additional assets. house. Um, yes. Additional boats. Boats or collectibles or Paintings. anything of that nature. Yes. You've got retirement accounts. You've got um, uh, whatever type of accounts that you have working out there. If they're already in there, like you said, they're growing wealth. They're in there. That's right. You're, you're safe. Or, or maybe you have a change in a beneficiary, too. Right. You know, maybe there you, you have a newborn child, and now right. all of a sudden you want your newborn child on as a beneficiary. So you would need to make an amendment to your trust to make sure that your newborn child is included as a recipient of your assets. Let's, let's, go, to the, let's go to the other side of that coin. You may get a divorce. That's right. You want to take the divorce A off. That's correct. So you so you'd want to end up having that. You'd want to get a so that's trust an amendment. Be, so if you, you want people, to remove a stepchild, right, right. So people who if you got divorced, any of those types of things, I think it's really really cheap insurance to do that. And I would think that um, unless you're really aggressively accumulating assets, it's nothing you're doing on a regular basis. Just understand and remember, like 
it's part of anytime you're you in your life you have changes such as i bought a second or third house whatever it may be um jewelry or paintings or collectibles like i better go add those in my trust yes or i got divorced i better take my divorce whether it's a, the wife or the husband i better take them out and even then i would think in the divorce that they're going to split assets there anyway that's they're right. going to go to the divorce attorney. He's going to, well, we have living trust. Well, great. Let's go see what's in it. Then you guys are going to, it's your rules. It's, you get to do what you want. You know, Hey, I'm going 50, 50, 60, 40, whatever, you know, you guys want to do when you split those things. So let's, let's break it to the folks. This is a revocable living trust because there's different types of trust out there guys yes and so we can't just use the word you can't walk into an attorney's office or an asset protection specialist to say hey i need a trust because that's like saying i need a car well great you need a car what kind of car right that's what they're going to ask you is well what kind of trust do you want what what's what are you looking to do kind of thing so the revocable living trust is the first trust that you would want to get Yes, without there, a doubt. There are other trusts if and when you start accumulating a lot more wealth. Correct? Yeah, that would fall into some advanced planning strategies and structuring right. that would take place. But definitely um, the living trust is in should be in everybody's foundation um, for their estate plan. Anybody who has kids and any kind of assets, any kind of assets should have one. And so real quick, I'm thinking, I don't know that we mentioned uh, on average, I know what you charge. Let's share with the folks, your company, what you charge and where you can do this. Cause I know I've got listeners all over the world right now. And so if they don't live, I'm pretty sure you told me before, you just only do it in the, in the United States. Yes. Okay. So if you're outside the United States uh, recommendations, what find an attorney. If you're outside the United States, yeah, you'd have to go to your local jurisdiction to wherever you happen to be at. Okay. Yes. So here in the U.S., guys, so Lonnie's based out of Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm going to have him explain the benefits of, well, I know there's, there's benefits of doing business in Nevada. Is there a benefit in opening a living trust in Nevada? Um, no, because what happens is they have to have it formed in their own state. In their own state. But the big benefit that we end up doing for the client is that we end up making their trust flexible and portable for them. So that means if they happen to up yeah, and let's, move let's from break that state, down. Let's let's break down yeah. flexible and portable. So they're going to go walk into Mr. Attorney's office or asset protection specialist and whatever other state. Explain what you do here. That that makes maybe they get more more value out of their dollar. Oh, they get way more value for their dollar. Um, a lot more, a lot more benefits that go into their trust. Um, with us than most other companies out there. And one of the major ones out there is making it portable because when you have a living trust, it is getting set up based upon the jurisdiction in which you live. You know, whether it's California, Georgia, Florida, what do you, you live. what do you, what do the folks do? There's a lot of folks out there and I don't know, we'll just pick Dallas, Texas that live in Dallas and they have vacation homes, let's say in Louisiana, another state. How do they set that up? So you have your AKA vacation home or second home in a separate state. Do you have to open two different separate trusts? No, absolutely not. Okay. All right. So the two types were the transferable, were you saying? 
Trans, oh, you're talking about portable. Portable. Yeah, referring to portable. Yeah, it's, it's, the trust is portable. To what does that mean? Were, that means if they were to move from one state to another, okay, they do not need to close and shut down the original trust and open up a new one in their new state. So they can just take their original trust that they purchased with them to the next state. And life goes on. State to state to state, doesn't matter. That's correct. You know, there's a lot of folks in today's world that... You know, in a ten or twelve year span, they can move in three different cities, right? Yes. So they, so you're you're good. It'll follow you. Yes. You'll be fine. Well, excellent. Okay, and so then again, average cost out there across America. The average cost out there. I mean, you'll, you'll probably see a lot of attorneys out there that'll charge anywhere between two to five thousand that I've seen for trusts, and I've actually had clients of mine in the past that have paid much more than that. Wow. And we we generally charge twenty four ninety seven. Um, it's 100% full and complete, um, includes the deed to their primary residence, um, the trust agreement, all of their um, medical directives, all of their powers of attorney, which are general power of attorney, financial power of attorney, real estate power of attorney, uh, medical power of attorney. Um, also include instructions on how to fund the trust, which that's a very important component there because most people think that once they get their trust that their assets are magically already in it right. once they receive it. But that's not the case because you, you're you now receiving a trust with nothing in it. So now you need to get your assets inside and place them inside the trust. That is correct. And that's what's known as funding the trust. And funding the trust, again, if we start with I have a net worth of 100000 and um, I'm doing really well in the next 18 months, I have another 100000 You have to fund that other 100000 into it. You've got to let them know. You, you just have to put the you just have to put the hundred. You just want to put that hundred thousand. You're talking about if it was a different account, right? If you just put an extra hundred thousand into the same bank account that was already in the trust, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Okay. Fund, funding it is just putting putting Starting. an asset into. So it knows it's trust. in there. That's right. So it right. knows it's in. And then there. whatever it builds to, it builds to. That's it doesn't right. matter. Yeah. You're yeah. covered. Yep. You're covered. So guys, this is the importance. Of and you don't have to be married. You could be. There's plenty of people out there that are single that accumulate a lot of assets. And whether you want to leave it to mom, dad, a sibling, your best friend, it doesn't matter. Um, if you don't do this, if you do not create this living trust, the state is going to go through that living trust almost at fifty percent. And if there's nobody there, who gets it? Well, then what's going to this? The courts are going to determine who gets it. Is what they're going to do? They're going to go down all the hierarchy. They're going to first of all look for family members. They're going to look for you know children, siblings, uh, mom, dad. Then all of a sudden, uh, so you get a knock on the door going, "Hey, you have a long lost uncle that passed away, and he went probate. You're the first one we found." That's right. I mean, that's the way it could go down. Wow. Yeah, could go down that way. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, cool. So we know, guys, the importance of getting that uh, revocable living trust. Do it as soon as you have almost any assets, uh, regardless of married or not. Your average expense out there is three to five thousand. Lonnie can do it for twenty four ninety five. I'll link his information um, on the podcast and the YouTube channel, so you can reach out directly to him, and then he can get you all set up. And this is anywhere in the U.S. Right. So if you're outside the U.S. and you're listening to this, just go to your local attorney. Yes. Right. There's attorneys everywhere Um, and talk to them about setting it up and have them break it down to you. So listen, Lonnie, I think that was some fantastic information that um, 
other people or, you know, take away and, and get out there and, and protect yourself. We're working really hard for our money. We don't want the government or the state to just to take our stuff. I'm sure yeah. there's the, everybody has loved ones at some level. So yeah, this information um, here, this legal information was, um, is definitely critical to everybody. And, um, the individuals that are aligned with my company that put these trusts together, um, do an extremely solid job on it. And uh, I mean, the work cannot be surpassed and they get customer support um, unlike any other. Excellent. All right, guys. So if you're watching on YouTube, please smash that like button, subscribe to the channel. And if you're on the podcast, subscribe to the podcast and uh, keep listening. I'm going to keep bringing value and help you guys out. So that's Money Conversations with KJ. I'll see you on the next one. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode. I uh, really enjoyed making all these episodes for you. Remember, we're just having uh, conversations with people's journey with money and the things they did right with it, the things that did wrong with it. And uh, how, how did they really come about getting their mindset with money? So uh, every episode is different. We all have a good takeaway from them. So do me a favor, hit the like button, smash the like button and subscribe to my channel because every episode that I do is going to be different as all our journeys are different. So you guys take care and uh, we'll talk to you next week.